Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, you will find these words. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may be observed to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I want to talk to you all today from the thought, The Recipe for Success, Part 3. The Recipe for Success, Part 3. In light of this series of messages, amen, at this time, the great leader, Moses, is dead. The Moses that led the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. The Moses that uh, brought about ten plagues, amen, that plagued the people through the power of God. The Moses who said, do not be fearful. The Moses who told Pharaoh to let my people go. This Moses is now dead. It's the same Moses that uh, uh, on the 15th day of a certain month, he led out the people of Israel from that bondage, amen, into the wilderness. It is this Moses who had a, a mission to get his people out of the bondage of the Egyptians so that they might worship him. It is that Moses that is now dead. It is that same Moses that uh, by day, amen, they were led by a cloud and, and by fire at night. It was the same Moses that as they were leading out that the Egyptians came after them and they ended up with the river, the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind them. It is that same Moses who said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That Moses is dead. It is that Moses who reached out his rod and, and the sea parted and they walked across on dry land. It is that Moses who is now dead, a significant individual in the life of an entire nation of people who during his leadership, amen, they saw great works of God and they could not see anyone else except him leading them to the promised land. But they hadn't got to the promised land yet, but that Moses is dead. It is in this context that now God is coming to a new leader. And the man's name is Joshua. As I uh, am beginning to think about this text, you never know when your leader is going to be taken away. You, you have thoughts and you have ideas about where you and your leaders are going to go. But sometimes our thoughts are not his thoughts. Sometimes our ways are not the ways of the Lord. And so we find ourselves uh, disappointed and sometimes disillusioned 
when we feel as if our leaders have been taken away too fast. If they just had a few more years, a, a few more opportunities to make some changes, then our lives would be all that much better. But the Lord is saying in this text that it's not so much the leader, but it's so much that I have not left you. He says, the same God who gave you the first leader can give you another leader as well. It is the Lord who says, don't get too caught up in my human leaders, but get caught up in me. Because leaders change, but I never change. And I know what you need, even when you don't know what you need. I know what you need, even before you ask. So he's decided now, that Moses is going to have to come on home. And he's going to use another leader in the name of Joshua to lead his people into the promised land. But I want you to know that it is not because of the transition of leadership that the people were still stiff-necked and hard-headed. Because they were stiff-necked and hard-headed under Moses' rule. You cannot forget that issue with Korah and his folks against Moses to where they took sides and God had to open up the earth and swallow them up because they were going against his leader Moses. So Joshua is going to have some of the same challenges that Moses did. But God says in the text, he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. But what the text did not say is that I'm going to do the same works in you, Joshua, that I did in Moses. See, that's a message, amen, for all of us in whatever our leadership capacity is. For me, as the pastor of this church, I must realize that God is with me as he was with Pastor Wheeler. But he's not going to use me the same way. There are things that Pastor Wheeler did, amen, that I'll never do. But that's all right because God is building upon a good foundation. Amen. Amen. His foundation, I'm standing on the work that he's done. Amen. He led this church to this great spot where you are today. And so far God is saying our work is here where he used Pastor Wheeler to get us to. Amen. And my job is to work where he has destined us to be. But it's the same thing in all of our lives as leaders. We look at our family members and we look at those who we've looked up to and have been instrumental in our lives. God has used them to do certain things to get us to a certain place. But now he is using us to go to another. Not saying that our place is less than their place, but our place is building upon a great tapestry that God is building. And the same faithfulness that those leaders of old had, we must have today in the Lord to do that which God has for this generation. Joshua was uniquely designed for the time at which he led. His job was not to part the Red Sea. His job was not to make his staff turn into a snake and gobble up other snakes. His job was not to pronounce the plagues of the boils and the frogs and the locusts and then of the firstborn to die. That was not his place. 
But the Lord was still with him as he was with Moses. He didn't say I was going to do the same things through Joshua that I did through Moses. But I'm with you the same way as I was with Moses. And God is still with us today the same way he was with Moses. God has not become less faithful because God never changes. It may seem like in our days, amen, that things are coming apart and maybe God now is kind of resting of his labors. But I continue to you that God is working just as hard today as he was working in this day. More often we ought to do an introspective of ourselves and say, are we as faithful to God as those of that day was faithful to him? Is it God or is it us? Where is the disconnect if there is one? Because God said, I will be with you, Joshua, as I was with Moses. God is saying, I will be with you as well, New Zion. Every member as I was with Moses. But how are you going to be with me? We have seen in our text, in our lessons, amen, that God has given instruction about how he wants us to be as it relates to him in the work that he's put before us. We saw that he said, be strong and of good courage. We saw that the Lord did not say to be smart. He said, be strong and of good courage. So the Lord was saying to us, we don't have to come up with our own schemes and our own ideas about how to go about doing the will of God when the will of God has been laid out before us. But he says, obey the word of the Lord, which we find ourselves here in part three. Amen. Where God unpacks what it looks like to be what the recipe for success looks like on a daily basis. Look at verse 8. God says to Joshua, he says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. The first instruction here in the text is to teach and declare God's word exclusively. Look at the text. It does not say the book of the law and a bunch of other stuff shall not depart from your mouth. No, he says the book of the law. So God is saying to the contemporary church today that the word of God should not depart from our mouth. It should stay in there. We ought to be those whose blood runs biblically. Amen. We ought to be those whose conversation is biblical conversation. We ought to have the word of God ready at any moment. Not the word of God plus some philosophical idea or the word of God plus what some pundit believes, but the word of God exclusively. Because it is the word of God and the word of God only that saves. There's no power in philosophy. There's no power in the opinion of pundits. The power is in the word of God. As we have said so many times before, faith comes by hearing 
and hearing the word of God. If you expect to change your environment, to change things for the better in our world today, there is really no other way except by the word of God. We can dress up the outside all we want, but it's the inside that has the trouble. Amen. There are so many improvement programs on the outside, but there's only one improvement program for the inside, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And never forget, church, no matter how the world tries to minimize you, no matter how the world tries to trivialize and show you as being benign and of no power at all, you must always know that as you walk, you are walking with the fullness of the Godhead with inside of you. God uniquely, when he saved you, he put his Holy Spirit in you. His Holy Spirit is God and God with all power in his hand. And so you must realize that you're not benign. You're not trivial. You're not insignificant. You are the only thing that this world has that will make a difference for the better of it. You are the only thing that's left here by God, amen, to take those who are in darkness and bring them to the marvelous light. You are the only ones who have the keys to an everlasting kingdom, amen, to a place that whose streets are paved with gold, to a place whose walls are jasper, or a place where the presence of God dwells. You are the only ones. Plato couldn't do it. Aristotle couldn't do it. Homer couldn't do it. The philosophers of the day, uh, Stephen Hawkins, he had to die. Amen. Because he couldn't do it. We are uniquely positioned, amen, by the power of Jesus Christ to make a difference for time and eternity. See, some folk can make a difference right now. They can give you a little money, amen, to be able to, to go on a little bit longer, pay a few bills, amen, but they cannot affect your eternal destination. Only the people of God can. So do not let this world let, make you believe that you're insignificant and you are of none effect. You are very important to the destination of this world and everyone who's in it. And Joshua, as a new leader coming on, there was the, the pressure that he wouldn't be able to measure up. But God is saying to him, no, you don't have to worry about you yourself measuring up because the measuring stick is not against you, it's against me. And last time it was measured, I met the standard and I still meet the standard today. God has not lost any of his power today nor will he lose his power in the future. But it is our jobs to make sure that that which he has given us, the word of God, to make a change in the world does not depart from our mouth. That we don't start replacing it with quips and fine sayings that men say, but we stay with the unadulterated word of God. You look at the text, it also says, not only are we to have it in our mouths to teach and declare God's word, but we are to think on God's word as a lifestyle. Look at the text. It says, but you shall meditate in it day and night. 
See, the word of God is not just for Sunday morning. The word of God is not just for Wednesday evening. The word of God is not just for uh, convenient conversation, but the word of God is for life. It is the word of God that makes the difference in our world. When we're going through, amen, and we start to sing the songs of Zion, it is the songs of Zion that brings us once again to the comforting power of the word of God. It is the word of God that's going to keep you up and to keep you strong. It's the word of God that's going to take you from the valleys to the mountaintops. It's the word of God that's going to elevate you above all the muck and the mire, above all the cloudiness in life that does not allow you to see in front of your face. It is the word of God that lifts you up above those clouds to see that the sun is still shining. It is the word of God. So if it is and truly the word of God, then we ought to meditate on it day and night. What does it mean to meditate on the Word of God? It means to think upon the Word of God, to memorize Scripture and get it on the inside. To not just let it stay down on the page, but become part of our lives that it directs and corrects us in our thinking. Because when you meditate on the Word of God, it prevents you from meditating on some stuff in the Word. And the more Word of God you get, the more world comes out. And the more word of God we get, the more righteous we become in Christ. Because it is the word of God that is sanctifying us and changing us and rearranging us and making us into the image of his darling son. So we must realize that it is a lifestyle of meditation on the word of God. Not just a casual every now and then let me take a look. But it ought to be something that is just as important to us as having lunch. Amen. It ought to be a daily occurrence. But when we look at our text, it's not just teaching and declaring the word of God exclusively. It's not just thinking on the word of God as a lifestyle. But most importantly, it's obeying the word of God. Look at the text. It says that you might observe to do according to all that is written in it. After you begin to meditate and get you some memory verses in your mind, after you begin to tell some folks about the word of God, at the end of the day, but are you obeying it? Because really and truly that we are the only Bible that some people will ever see. And they have enough folk out here saying one thing and doing another. They're looking for some folks who put some authenticity there and what they're saying goes along with what they're doing. We got enough hypocrites. The world doesn't like hypocrites. We need some folks who to say the word and live the word as well. Not just meditate on it and get smart, but actually live it out. It is the living out of the word of God which the world sees and are influenced by. It's when they see us live out love for one another. It's when they see us have a dispute but never divide. Amen. It is when they see us going from place to place making sure that one another is just fine. It's when they see that kind of love it makes a difference in the world. 
because our actions will always speak louder than words. So the third part of that is you must obey the word. So we teach and we declare God's word exclusively. We think upon God's word as a lifestyle, meditating on it day and night. But then we got to obey the word of God. And then, and only then, we get promise. Look at the text. It says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but shall we shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. It's only then after you have done what the Lord has called us to do will we start to see the prosperity of the real success of the Lord. You look at the text and it says, and then you will have good success. But don't forget that success, God's success is not like the world's success. The world measures success on how big of a bank account you have, how large your 401k plan is, or what kind of investment properties you have, what kind of house you live in, what kind of fine and fancy cars you drive, what kind of beautiful and fine clothes you wear, amen, and what is your social status and who do you hobnob with, but that's not what the Lord sees as success. The Lord sees as success folks who have now started living and start looking like his son. That have started living with mercy and grace and have started living who live to obey God the Father. Who realize that the word of God is the only way to life everlasting. And who is concerned not so much about houses and land but about souls of men. Amen. That is a way of being prosperous. But in the life of Joshua, Joshua has some physical things that are occurring, amen, to show us spiritual realities. Joshua is being anointed to lead Israel to the land of promise. He's being anointed to lead Israel to the place where it's flowing with milk and honey. He is anointing Joshua to lead the folks across the River Jordan into Canaan land where there will be houses that they did not build. There will be crops that they did not plant. Those are physical things, amen, that also point to a spiritual reality. So in today, the promised land is heaven, amen. We've got the archetype, but now we got the real type. We are living in the New Testament and our job is to meet and to greet as many in the Lord, amen, and move forward in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that men and women, boys and girls, might be saved. That they might enter in to this blessed privilege that we have, that we and them as well might enter in to this place, a land of milk and honey. This place where there will be houses that we didn't build. There will be crops that we didn't plant. Because you never can forget the words of Jesus Christ when he said, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, But I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go to prepare that place, I am coming again, that where I am, you shall be also. See, uh, Canaan land was just a symbol of a greater milk and honey, of a greater place of refuge, of a greater place of destination, which is heaven. Even in the book of Revelation, when it talks about that great city, whose streets are paved with gold, whose walls are onyx stones and jasper, shining in the glory of Almighty God. In that city, it is only a symbol of all that God has for us. Because you never should forget the words of the Apostle Paul, who said, Eyes have not seen, nor have ears heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men the good things that the Lord has in store for those who love Him. Now, if you believe that these words are true, it ought to make us get about the Father's business while it is yet day. Because Jesus said, when night cometh, no man can work. The apostle said to us that the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us redeem the time. So saints of God, keep on working on the battlefield for the Lord. And keep the word of God forefront in front of you. Do not let the world on the left or the right deter you. But be of good courage and keep running the race that has been set before you. Because there is a great cloud of witnesses that saying, go on, go on. And they're cheering us on. Moses and Abraham, Jacob, amen, and Isaac. All of the saints down through the years are saying run on a little while longer. And don't forget as the Lord was with them, so he is with you and I. So don't be discouraged and don't become weary in well-doing. But run that race and in due time you shall reap. Knowing that the Lord will do what he said he will do. So keep up the good fight. Keep staying on course. And one of these days, the Lord is coming back for a church without spot or blemish. The word today is, will you be ready? When the skies begin to roll back like a scroll. When the Son of God comes in all his glory. Will he find you faithful doing the work of the master? And when the trumpet sounds, will you be part of those, either dead or alive, that rise and are caught up in the air to be with the Lord forevermore? The day's lesson lets us know that the Lord is looking for those who will be faithful even unto the end. Don't stop sharing the gospel. Don't stop doing good to your brother or your sister because you don't know whose life you are affecting for time and eternity. But stay with the Lord 
and don't go left or right, but stay undetoured and be of good courage and be strong in the Lord. And he will see you through. God bless you and God keep you is my prayer. Amen. Amen, saints of God. Recipe for success. Amen. Part three. Amen, saints of God. At this time, we're going to open the doors of the church. Because there may be somebody here that feels the tug of God on their hearts. Amen. To be saved. We don't want to take that for granted at any time. Amen. Because we know not the heart, only God does. And so we will allow God to be God and we will be his servants. Amen. The doors of the church are open. Amen. Amen. Pass me not, O oh gentle Savior.